BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Welcome back, everyone. Gemma's not going to be with us today. She's not feeling very well, so it's going to be Mike and I. Mike, let's go ahead and jump into episode four. What's the first timestamp? Okay, uh, thanks, Shane. I think for having me back. First, the timestamp, we're looking at Sharon May in episode four, and we're looking at 1230. Right at the very beginning when she starts talking, she's talking about she was driving to the cemetery when they were digging up all the evidence, and she's explaining very flamboyantly that she was driving a red convertible and it was explaining all this stuff and well, that irrelevant information, overly specific information that the listener doesn't need to know about. She could just say, hey, we were driving to the cemetery to see this evidence being dug up. That's all she needs to say. But that, that signal she wanted to come across is she's open, she's fun. I was having a great time. The sun was out or whatever in my convertible and I was on my way to see this. So was kind of a sign of deception. Hey, I'm open. Going to give you what you need. I'm going to answer all these questions, honestly. So it was, it was kind of interesting to see that. Yeah, that's a really good point. I like how you worded that she was being over specific. I remember when I first watched it and I first saw the interview with Sharon, I thought that it was an awkward exchange. Like, why are you telling us about this beautiful convertible and how excited you were? That had nothing to do with what we're talking about. Nothing to do with it. And it's just, Totally irrelevant. Like I said, she wants to be open and candid and be like, hey, but it's a serious matter. She's going to drive to see this evidence being dug up and she's kind of making it about herself. Exactly. Is your next timestamp about Sharon as well? Yeah, they're all, we've got a, I've got a bunch on her. She's a very interesting person during that, during this interview on episode four. At 1250, she's explaining the boxes coming out of the hole when they were digging up. And she's being, she's downplaying everything. She's saying, oh, they were wet. And just her tone, the way she's saying it, that's what you, the listeners have to listen to. Just downplaying. It's not important. They were wet. They had to be dried out. They had to be sorted. And then she went right into saying, but there was nothing that pointed to Maskell that he molested these kids. And then she ends with a shoulder shrug. So she's being very specific about there was nothing pointing to Maskell about molesting these children. But then she ended with a shrug, which 
one of the indicators we look for when we're talking to someone during an interview is verbal certainty, which is very certain there was nothing there with to do with Maskell. But then she shrugged as if to say, I don't know, really. It was. So and then textbook sign of deception. So the fact that she's shrugging, that kind of goes against the certainty that she's speaking vocally. Yep. Good cut. Verbal yeah. certainty saying, yeah, Maskell, there was nothing in there that pointed to him. And then she shrugs. Not sure, really. So that was kind of a, that was going on. That's right at the end that she that stops talking about molesting the kids. So at thirteen twelve, when asked about pornographic material being found, she stated that she had no recollection that they found any. Maybe we did. I just don't remember. I think that some things should be that she should have known. She really didn't remember. They could have. I just don't remember. That's an indicator of another deception indicator. Cannot remember significant facts or detail. It's just classic. They have to emphasize that these responses she gives a classic deception. And a lot of Sharon May's responses are really quick and small, especially her facial and her body movement. So you really have to look to tell the listeners. They really have to look and see where these timestamps that I mentioned. You have to really see them because it's easier for me to see them. It's what I do, but when you you may have to rewind and watch it again, but they're there and you'll see them. It might take you a couple of times, but you be like, "Oh yeah, there it is." One of the things that caught me when I watched this episode for the first time is how overly specific she is in terms of her memory of driving her convertible to the site, right? And then suddenly she does not recall if there was pornographic information or material exactly. in the hole. Like, in my mind, I would think someone would remember if that's in the hole, not necessarily that you just drove your brand new convertible and how you felt driving that convertible. That just seems like a very significant fact that I don't see someone forgetting. Yeah, yeah. And as she was saying while she was explaining her convertible, her pitch rate was up and down. Her voice, she was getting this... when people do that, they're trying to emphasize, I'm excited. Believe me, my voice is, I was driving my red convertible and it just goes up and down like that, which is another indicator of deception. She's just full of, full of those indicators of deception. And uh, yeah, she's very interesting to watch. Okay. So we can move on to the next one at 1325. Right when she, right when Ryan's asking her a question, I don't have a question written down, but it's 1325 and the keepers. Ryan is stating to Sharon May that the information they were given had to do with actual photographs that were in the hole. She bites her lip. And she's biting her lip. That's a sign of an indicator of deception because her mind's trying to attempt to suppress her speech. So your mind's saying, don't say anymore. Bite your lip. Don't continue talking. So that's what she says. And it's followed by a delayed response which she is having time to think about what she wants to say and also biting her lip too. So that's an interesting one to watch. It's at 1325. Yeah, that's very interesting. Yeah. 1331, not not soon after that, the one about biting her lip, she's asked about pornographic photos of the girl's breast. And she repeats part of the question when he asks about photographs, she says photographs? And that's another indicator of deception. Just gives her mind, even though it's just a few, maybe not even a few seconds, for her to repeat that gives her mind more time 
process an answer that will be acceptable. So she has, so when she, Ryan said something like there were pictures of so-and-so said there were pictures of girls topless breasts. And she said, photographs? And then she went into the whole thing. Oh no, I would have known if there were photographs, but, uh, totally gives her more time to answer the question and think about what she's saying. That's the thought process behind that. When you repeat a question, I'll have a question. And in your experience, does, do people normally do that if they're trying to not be truthful? Oh, absolutely. I've run into people that will be like, you're asking them a simple question like, hey, where were you at 1.30 yesterday? And they'll repeat back the whole thing like, where was I at 1.30 yesterday? And that just gives them that little extra time to make up a lie, decept- be, decept- be deceptive. Sure. Yeah, that makes total sense. Pretty interesting. So Sharon May, I have to tell you, she had a lot. Get a lot of microfacial expressions in this clip. She, a lot of hemped. She doesn't want to be there. When she makes the space, you can see her. She purses her lips together and her eyes kind of, her eyebrows go up and her head tilts to the side. That's a classic look of contempt. Like she doesn't really like these questions. She doesn't like being in this situation. Whenever she, a lot of the times it shows up, he answers the question, then she gives this look like you'll be able to see it. And that's 41. And once you see this one, you'll, if you go back through the clip, you'll see it a lot. So it's microfacial of contempt at the interview when she, when he mentions photos, like she just gives this look like again. Do I have to answer this again? I'm going to see her do that. For the next timestamp, it's at 16 minutes and 40 seconds. She's got a delayed response followed by a deep sigh when asked Maskell was guilty of sex abuse. Detective came and knocked on the door, and I said, is it Renee? And he just gave me that solemn look. It was the worst day ever. The Proof Podcast is back with a new case and a new season. 23 years ago, 18-year-old Renee Ramos went missing. Her body was later found in an empty Home Depot building on the edge of town. I don't think that they arrested the right people. It's about time somebody's trying to do something. She had a black eye about two weeks before she was murdered. They are involved. They definitely had her body and her backpack. You know people are going to judge you, right? Of course. They're judging me now. They've been judging me damn near my whole life. You can listen now to season two of Proof, wherever you get your podcasts. And follow along with us as we reinvestigate the murder at the warehouse. I have to ask, did you kill Renee? Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. 
BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. So she really takes this long time to think about this answer, and then she gives herself a deep sigh because... When you're being deceptive, you want to get more oxygen. It's your body's response. Okay, I have to get more oxygen into my blood so I can think about what's going on. So it's kind of a stress deception. So I'm going to take this deep dive and I'm going to relax and I'm going to freaking, I'm going to try to think about, I'm going to try to think about what I need to tell them, what will be acceptable. So that's a really good one to watch her do that. Today, the delayed response followed by the deep sigh. And at 1737, when asked if the state attorney's office ran interference for the church, she looked away from Ryan, as away from the interviewer, and gave a delayed response, and her voice pitch changed. Now, that's the deception cluster. Now, when you have more than two, a definite sign that she's not being truthful during that point, they're very pronounced. You'll be able to see all three of them. She looks away towards the window, then she takes a long time to answer, and then her voice pitch changes, and you'll hear that change, and all classic signs of being deceptive. Pretty pretty textbook for that one, too. Yeah, so what you're saying is, by her doing that would make you believe that wasn't a truthful answer that she was then going to give. She probably knew, and this is my opinion, she probably knew that it was interference ran, and she looked away and said, I can't make that when you can't make eye contact with someone like that and you look away, that's 100% being deceptive. And when you can't process the thought right away, most people would be like, no, we didn't run it into bear. There was no interference. It would come right out. You know, back in that day. And when she looked away and had that long delayed response and the pitch rate volume change, yeah, it's not good for her. So she was definitely being deceptive and she probably did know about interference being run. So I would say that one was a good example of deception, her being deceptive. And at 1833, when she stated if the allegations were made about Maskell, if she if they asked her were the allegations, she said she she would look at it. If she had the good, it got charged. That's as straightforward as I can be. It. That's what she said. Right. So her verbal message doesn't match physical gesture. Once again. She's nodding no while she's saying, while she's saying that's as straightforward as I can be. So once again, you're telling one thing, but your mind knows that it's not true. So your body automatically signals and gives you the no. Yeah. She just, she's like saying no in her mind, but her verbal message is left as straightforward as I can be. Yeah. That makes total sense. I can definitely see how someone's mannerisms wouldn't follow up. Or they would be more truthful than what they are being verbally. She was saying that's as straightforward as I can be. She should be nodding yes. Well, that's as straightforward as I can be. Yeah. Not saying no. Makes perfect sense to me. Yeah. One thing I forgot to mention throughout that clip. Now, another sign of being under extreme stress is bulging neck artery. And if you see Sharon while she's talking, there's actually good light lighting in that clip part of the interview where you can see it's almost like rope-like, that carotid artery. It's on the, you can see it mostly on the right side. 
And it's extremely, you have to see when she turns and don't, and I know listeners will say, no, that's the ligaments in her neck. No, you can tell the difference. You can see this carotid artery. Like I said, it's almost rope-like in thickness. And when she turns in certain way, the light hits, you can see it. And the bulging neck battery means her blood pressure's up and she's under an extreme amount of stress right there. So throughout, throughout that, they can, the listeners can look for that. There's, Especially with the window behind her, you can see it. And it's a classic sign of stress and that her blood pressure's up and she's very uncomfortable being there. After Jim and I started doing this podcast to further discuss Kathy's case and the abuse surrounding this entire scenario, we actually reached out to Sharon to see if she would like to do a podcast with us. And we explained that we would be respectful and just allow her to give her own insights and opinions and everything like that. But she refused, plainly refused to do it. Is she still in the Baltimore area? Yeah, she's in the, she's still in the area. Oh, but could be a, a number of things. It's always the money question, the payoff. And it's just my opinion. She could have been paid by the Catholic Church to run into parents. Either way, whatever she had to say in terms of her memory, clearly some there, there's deception going on. So I'm so glad that we were able to discuss this part and what you caught, because now we can actually put timestamps and expressions into what we've all already thought is that is not being honest. We can't, we've not been able to say exact reasons why until now with your help. But I think everyone who watches The Keepers feels like she's not being fully honest about it. Yeah, and she's not very good at show, covering up her, her indicated either because, like I said, I think in the first time we talked, how did you, how did you try and hide these things? They're involuntarily and, and they're involuntary and they're going to come up. You can try best you can, but it's going to come up. The- I have a feeling that the... The creators of the keepers went to interview her. I have this feeling that she didn't know the full extent of the questions that they were going to ask or the knowledge that they had. Yeah. So that's probably why we see her being so forthcoming in terms of her expressions, showing her frustrations and her and being able to catch all of that because she likely didn't know what she was getting herself into. And I say that because I know that when they sat down with the detectives, those detectives also did not know all of the information that the filmmakers had. So you could see during that interview that they were, oh, you know about that. So that was, uh, that was like my, what I got gathered from the interview with Sharon May. I just don't think that she would have agreed to the interview if she knew what, how in depth those questions were going to be. Yeah. And the good thing is that for her not knowing. It was better for me to see these indicators, see her being candid. So she don't say she demanded to know the questions before she asked. She could have had scripted responses. She could have gotten all our facts together and made up more stories about what really happened. But so it was good to see, but for me to observe her that way, not knowing what was going to be asked because just they just flowed out. Yes, there definitely is no cover up. Yeah, definitely no cover up. But she is very animated in her facial expressions. And like I said, you'll see that contempt facial expression a lot. The lips squeezed together, the eyes kind of squint. She just looks mad. And you'll see that. And it's quick, but uh, everybody will get to see it. That it's her way of showing that she doesn't want to be here. Before we move on to the next section, I just wanted to say a little 
short funny thing whenever i see a red convertible now i always think back to my frustration of that interview yeah <laughs> i'm like oh that red convertible Ooh. and now i will too i know it. <laughs> yeah exactly it was just so funny that the way she's not talking about that what does this have to do with anything exactly out of the shadows is sponsored by best fiends one of the things that I love about true crime is that the further you dig into a story, the more layers you uncover. That's part of what I love about the puzzle game Best Fiends, too. The more I play, the more fun it gets. Reaching each new level feels like uncovering a new layer in a story. One you get to take part in. And the best part is, the longer you play Best Fiend, the more exciting it gets. When I need to get my mind off the world and hard to hear stories, I play Best Fiend. I play every night, and since my game is linked to my Facebook, I compete with friends to reach a higher level. When you start playing, make sure to add me on Facebook. My favorite character is Vega. She's a firefly. Best Fiends has thousands of levels already, with new levels, events, and characters added each month. It's hours of fun right at your fingertips. You can even play offline. With over 100 million downloads and tons of five-star reviews, Best Fiends is a must-play. Download Best Fiends free on the Apple App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R. Best Fiends. Okay, so I think that does it for Sharon May and all her. There's a few other ones later, but nothing. I don't think a few clips they had are really short, but I don't think there was anything major put down episode four this is the end it's just a clip of dr richter this is in episode six at 21 minutes and 44 seconds when they're at the door and they go to his house he's just showing two two indicators for him when asked if he knew father master it was a very delayed response and he mentioned whatever years ago but it was a really delayed response he didn't know what to say he didn't want to say if he knew him really well so he just waited thought about it, and then blew it off. And he he also gave the hand wave, this use of hand wave, as he was talking. That, I'm done. I don't know. I don't want to talk to you. And just wave them off. Go away. So that was the only thing that I had on him, because it wasn't very long. But both as a delayed response, deception, and the hand wave was just a dismissive gesture. But anyway, that, that was it for episode four for me. We can go into episode six, probably the longest one. And it involves mostly Edgar. Okay, so episode six, we're going to be talking primarily about Edgar. And the first time they, when the interview start, started with Ryan in his apartment, the first observation I noticed was the stuffed animal. This timestamp is two minutes and 18 seconds. What's with the stuffed animal? He's surrounded by them. So stuffed animal, soothing characteristic, it doesn't have to stuffed animals. It can be anything that calms the person down, puts the person at ease, but it signals the traumatic event in the person's life. They need to be soothed. They need to be surrounded by things that comfort them. So that was interesting to see so many childlike stuffed animals around the room. And it, you can look it up. It's pretty characteristic of someone that's been to a traumatic event like that. Especially someone that lives alone like he did. He actually didn't live alone. He's married, but the wife was not at home when he agreed to be interviewed. And I say that just because of the kind of like 
with all of the stuffed animals and i believe they had a mattress on the floor it was just a weird yeah the mattress on the floor i think that's why i probably assumed he was living alone they get large get this mattress on the floor and it's surrounded by stuffed animals yeah okay but he was still he was again the stuffed animals and he kind of kind of an unkept place to look like and it was could have been a little bit of a hoarding issue those stuffed animals, which is another emotional issue in itself. That alone, just an observation right off the bat. Then I was like, this guy's been through something. To have them sitting on the floor like that around the mattress instead of up on a shelf or in boxes, it's strange. Yeah, very strange. All right, at 2.59, when he's shown Maskell's picture and asked, do he know, asked if he knows who he is, and he responds, Maskell, instantly. He begins to self-soothe by face touching. So he's stroking his face, touching his face, which is a stress indicator. It's just the way to calm. This is all right. And then the increased breathe, the increased breathing rate started. Now I want to emphasize on the increased breathing. And I know people will say he's old. He's got breathing problems. Not what this is. There's two different types. Now, when someone has issues with their breathing from a medical issue, it's deep. It's from the chest. You can't breathe. You're like, you need an oxygen mask. It's that type of breathing. So what we call the type he's doing, he's pursing his lips and he's bloating out of his lips. And that we call it a fish out of water. So this guy is, the minute he sees Kathy's picture, he gets this breathing in mask he's doing it the whole time it just comes out of nowhere and you'll see the different clips that he's fine but when he gets these stress indicators he gets these stressful situations this breathing comes back and he needs more oxygen in his body because he's getting stressed out which can also be a sign of deception it's one of those things i mentioned earlier last episode or last time we talked it's called the double dipper and it could be either stress or deception so it's the gulping of air, the pursing of lips, that's the difference from a medical issue. And when he's shown Kathy's picture, after they showed a masculine picture, he takes the biggest, one of the, one of the biggest exaggerated swallows, hard swallows that I've ever seen someone take. Like even in my whole time doing it, this was a huge one. Could barely, I think he almost choked he took such a hard, hard swallow when he saw Kathy's picture and they asked him to know her and he said Kathy and that swallow was just amazing like he said that was like an oh no moment and as well as the increased breathing started up again at 432 it she goes his hand fidgeting with a rubber band and I want I was one I wish I could find out because at the end they show him putting it down and I wish I could know if he fidgeted with that rubber band the whole time they were talking to him Obviously, he didn't, because sometimes he's both hands doing stuff, but I wonder if he kept picking it up and fidgeting with it. That'd be interesting to know, because that's a stress indicator that he's very uncomfortable. It's called exaggerated. It's called fidgeting. Yeah, we could, we can have Gemma ask the cameraman. I bet he would remember. Yeah, yeah. So doing something like that, having something in your hand, comforting thing, it takes your mind off the subject, you're being talked, you're being asked, even just for a few seconds, it can give you clarity of mind, like, all right, I need to think of something, so it soothes you. That was at 4.32, and he was fidgeting with the rubber band. I think it just shows him putting it down or picking it up, but I, that's why I wanted to know if he had it in the most of the time. 
Now, 445, he gives the base of invasion. When asked about the police, he just was irrelevant and just gave just uh, an answer that didn't even make sense. He was just like, when asked about the police, what did they tell? What did they think? He just gave an irrelevant answer, a base of invasion at 445. And at 514, Ryan asked him, do you know why they visited you? Why the police visited you? And his eyes got really wide open eyes. Kind of stress. Oh, no. Oh, crap. What are they going to ask? And then he begins to touch his face again. Again, a self-soothing gesture. He's got to calm down. What are they going to ask me? I don't, I'm really stressed out. So he has a lot of threat indicators. But as, as we go down the list, you'll see how they get more in depth. At 5.31, when asked did he come home with blood on your shirt, he gave an exaggerated yawn. It, this one you have to really look for, but an exaggerated yawn is the stress and deception factor. So you make the motion of beginning a yawn, like, like when you're tired, but all of a sudden your mouth just shut. So he, it gives you a little more time. It's one of those things, again, that give you a little more time. And it's just a response to a stressful question or being deceptive. He'll stop that yawn like, I didn't want to, and then just shut it off. So that's interesting to see. And it's really quick. Called an exaggerated yawn. You have to watch for it. Mouth will open and shut. And at 1604, cannot remember significant facts about when they asked him about how he hit his hand. When they asked him how he did it, he didn't know. And again, followed by that answer was another exaggerated yawn, a small opening, the start of the yawn process, but then he ends. And which is another sign of deception, which is saying he knows how he hit his hand. He's just not going to say. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. All right, so at 6.39, so this one's really important, and this is my observation, my opinion of this, this is called the behavior cluster, what, what I'm going to explain, and also known as a submission cluster. So the submission cluster is, he was self-soothing. Notice that in the clip at 639, his, I think his left hand was in the shape of an L up by his ear and down along his jawline, stroking his mouth and his chin area with his dominant hand is and also he had wide open eyes during it. So this whole submission cluster, when they were asking him questions, when he was showing all these clusters, in my opinion, this is a point where he just wanted to confess about his part in, in Kathy's murder. It's called the submissive pre-confession bluff also. So I think at this point, and I'm pretty sure of it. I think that he wanted to confess what his role in Kathy's murder was. 
So if you were the one doing the interview at that time, would you have pressed him on that? Yep. Absolutely. Because he was showing all this, all these things. His mind was not only splitting, it was probably splitting full weight. He wanted to say it, but he just, his subconscious just stopped him from, because you can see it. You can see it in his eyes. You can see it in his face. His face is basically covered by both hands and his eyes are wide open. I'm scared crap and I'm going to tell them what they want to know. For whatever reason, he did. Moving on down to 817, and this is a really good indicator, and everyone will be able to see this. When asked if he did it, did he kill Sister Kathy, he covered his mouth while speaking, while answering the question. This is with his finger, just one finger, straight across his mouth. Totally covered. Now, this is a brain split. This is the mind attempting to stop the subject telling the truth. It doesn't know what he's going to say, so it sends that finger over and says, knock, knock, but he says no. But he says it with the finger covering his mouth. Because you better not say yes, so I'm going to cover your mouth, but he says no. So that one's really, like, really great to see. Textbook, it's right there kind of waiting for me to see that to see it so late and also then he moves down to 821 and does the same exact thing when asked does he have information about her murder the same exact movement same there's no finger over his mouth it's, it's just it's classic and it's amazing to see when you see it like that it's just so it's almost I want to say personal of that indicator exception at 826 we have him basically with a denial flag, him saying he had nothing to do with it. But the key thing there is him gazing down while you're denying is the key indicator of deception. So my opinion, he probably did have something to do with it, but he's not going to say it because he's just in this and it's a denial flag. And the key for that one is he wants to look down he looks down and doesn't make eye contact with Ryan. That's what that is. And at 8.35, on our continue on episode six, he's again got that rubber band on the table and placed it down. So I assume he was fidgeting with that again. So I, that, like I said, that would have been great to, to know if he had, he had been fidgeting with that the whole time. And that would have been a comfort thing. And that's calming him down, and keeping his mind straight. In my opinion, oh, again, I hate to keep saying it, but that he definitely was a major player in Kathy's murder, I believe, just by all this. He shows the cluster was key, just the covering of the mouth and the wide open eyes and all the things I listed was definitely, I think, for sure, my opinion, he was involved directly with Kathy's one of the is for sure in, in, in her murder and moving her body and all that. Yeah, again, it's one of those things to where when people watch The Keepers, I think many of them take away from that interview that you feel like he's not fully telling the truth. So being able to sit here with you and discuss the different examples of where this is him being deceptive or this is an example of him trying to 
soothe himself because he doesn't want to say what he feels like he needs to say. So this has been very helpful. Yes. And even I have a lot of tech on this stuff, a lot of books, a lot of programs and training manuals that I've been through. And when I look at that cluster I mentioned earlier, and all these books and textbooks, training manuals all agree with what I saw there, all pre-confession. He wanted to say it like, I don't know what he was thinking, but maybe it's time. Maybe it's time I let the cat out of the bag. But for some reason, he didn't. And yeah, I don't, he's either got that wrong will or just didn't want to deal with what was going to come after if he did confess. Now, most denial flag expressions, they're interesting because characteristics and they mock a critical point in a subject statement when they're always like, I didn't have anything to do with it. And I mentioned this the last time we talked and I wouldn't lie to you. Honestly, I didn't do it. I had nothing to do with it. I'm as straightforward as I can be. And Darren made that same thing. So she had a few denial flag indicators too, but Edgar says that and he's just denying it as he gazes down. So it's clearly not a deception with him. Clearly. Yeah. I would like to know what his thought process was at that time when Ryan was interviewing him because he looked really stressed, really scared. He had them all. He had stress, fear, and deception all all during that whole clip. Pretty amazing to watch. That's it for Edgar. MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.